This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Welcome back. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the only show on the Blaze Network that mixes faith, hope, principles, American exceptionalism, but all from an outsider's point of view. As you might remember, I'm not American, I'm Irish, and I come here each and every week to talk to you about your great nation. My God, how great is it to be back. I took a vacation um, for, I think it was about three or four weeks from this show, from social media. And the reason I, I did that was purely because... I had reached a point where I felt I couldn't contribute anything to your nation. And I felt it was best with every with the election going on and everyone loving Trump or loving Hillary and or just wanting Trump or Hillary to win even if you didn't like them. I felt I couldn't contribute anything to that because I liked neither. I supported neither. They don't share any of my principles and values. So I felt for the best thing for me and for your nation was for me to take a step back and watch from the sidelines, being nothing more than a spectator. Before we get started today, I want to congratulate Donald Trump, President-elect. I want to con- congratulate his team, his family, his daughters, his sons, his wife, all his supporters for winning the election. You know, I've not been a fan and I've got the the bumps, the bruises, the scratches and the hate mail to prove it. But I will say this, and this is about the only thing I'm politically going to say for the foreseeable future. You have my prayers, you have my love, and you have my hopes. I hope you prove me wrong. Believe you me, nothing would make me happier than in four years... If I was taught, if I was still doing this show with the Blazer or anywhere else, and I was in a position to say, "This is the guy who needs to be president. You need to re-elect him in 2020." Nothing would make me happier. I wouldn't campaign for him. I wouldn't endorse him. But it would nice to be be nice to be in that position to say, "Yeah, you've got things right." That's about all the political I'm going to get to talk to you about today. So, what have I done for the last month? Well. I actually would encourage everyone, 
whether you're in podcasting, in radio, as a columnist, or doing videos, if you speak out on a regular basis, even if you just speak out on your, on your social media account quite a lot, I would encourage you to take a step back at, at some point in time. Because my focus has changed an awful lot, and I'm going to talk to you about that you know, later on in the show and over the next coming shows. But... We all have very busy lives, and we kind of get... We, this is what I felt. Maybe other people might be different, but we get caught up in the day-to-day grind. You know, you go to your work, or if you're like me, you have different contracts and different projects you're working on, and, you know, then you have to research for this show, and then you're writing notes, and then you're kind of going, okay, now it's time to record the show. What will I discuss? You know, what will I start with? What will I finish with? What You know, what what's relevant? What can I add something meaningful to? Because I don't want to just be, you know, part of the clapping seals. Hey, I said this, and 10,000 other people have said it. The exact same thing. I don't ever want to be that way. I try and make my show unique. And you're always going hustling, bustling, day in and day out. And if you're in this industry, it's a a seven-day-a-week job. You can't just sort of, hey, I'm going to switch off. You're always looking at news. You're always seeing what the foreign leader has said. You're always talking about economics. You're looking at numbers on the economy. It's a a seven-day-a-week job, 24-7. And I got caught up in that. Taking a step back... I was able to observe how other people do their job, how other people communicate, how they operate. And I was able just to look at things and just say, what do I like and what do I dislike? What do I like about myself? What do I, what do I need to improve on? So I've done a lot of self-reflection. And when you work with Glenn Beck and you work with The Blaze, one thing you're encouraged to do is to is to lead with your mistakes. It's one thing Glenn does. If you listen to his show, you'll, you'll hear him say on different occasions, I made this mistake, I was wrong, this is what I was wrong about, and, and be very public about it. Before I can get to everything else I want to talk to you about today, because I want to talk to you about the choice you have as Americans right now. I want to talk to you about what I see my role is and where I want to take this show I've been planning this for quite a a long time, and I want to lay some seeds for you today just to plant in your mind. And then one thing I'm really excited about, I'm going to finish out the show, is I'm going to share a story with you. And it's a short story. It's based on reality. There's a lot of principles involved, and there's a lot of reality in it, but it's a a made-up story. The people in it are actually fictional. And it's something I'm going to try and do more of. So I cannot wait to share with you that story later on in the show. But before we get to all of that, lead with my mistakes. I was, it is through my own stupidity I learned something in this election. And I'm trying to, I know people might hear this and they might think I've been demeaning to certain people or to certain candidates. I'm not. I've been brutally honest, it is my own fault. It is my own failure, it is my own ignorance, my own stupidity. There were things I thought I never had to discuss with the right. That there were issues that I always took for granted that they would always believe. One of those issues that I'm going to address in the coming weeks, months, is free market capitalism. 
I honestly thought, and even six months ago when he had won the nomination, if you had said to me, the right will openly be for tariffs and will be for national principles, not free market principles, I would have thought, nah, it'll be okay. It won't work out that way. That is on me. One of the things I have done in my self-reflection is that how stupid was I that I actually thought there is an issue or a set of issues that we never have to discuss that without discussing them everyone will always just see it the right way they will always go with what works that is my mistake and my stupidity and it is one I am not going to repeat on this show one of the things I am determined to do whether you like it or not like it, agree with it or disagree with it. I am going to be making the case for every principle that I believe have made America exceptional. Whether it is set in stone where people are going, why are you even discussing that? Everyone knows this. I apologize if that bores you. I just don't want to make that mistake again. That is my goal going forward. One of my goals. I'm going to discuss each and every principle and make the best case I possibly can through this show each and every week on different issues, whether it's on economics, whether it's on philosophy, whether it's on your founding, whether it's on the Constitution. Because this is the one thing I I noticed during my month off of my self-reflection. And it was simply this. There was a lot of things lacking that I wanted discussed. There was so little substance in regards to the Constitution. There was never a mention, and if it was, it was fleeting, about American exceptionalism. And more importantly, why America is an exceptional nation. There was no mention of America being an idea. There was no mention of what I call the Trilogy of Freedom. Your Declaration of Independence, your Constitution and your Bill of Rights. There was so little historical context of where your nation has been and where it is traveling to. That is something I, I as one man, I'm going to try and change. I would love to get to a point where all of those topics and so many more are commonplace in the election. So I start today asking you one question. Why is America great? If you listen to this show long enough, thank you very much, first of all. But secondly, you might have noticed a common theme in my show. I work very hard behind the scenes of laying out the show, what I'm going to discuss, and try and make topics interwine. And why I say things at certain times. It is not coincidence. It is not pure luck. There is a reason I finish my show the same way each and every week. Because regardless of what I say or what topic I've talked about, I want my last impression to you to be the following. America is great because Americans are good. It is why it's one of the last things I say before God bless you. And I finish the show. But I would ask you today, why is America great? Is America great now because Donald Trump is president, president-elect? 
Would America have been great if Hillary Clinton had been a president? Is it great because the Republicans control the House and the Senate? Would it have been great if the Democrats had controlled it? Is America great because of a set of principles? Or a certain set of policies that you you promote? As I take a quick break, I want you to ask yourself, why is America great? I'm sure some of you, and quite a few of you, have thought about this a lot. But I'd ask you just to rethink it. Because, as I've done self-reflection over the last month, I realised, as I was writing down a list of all the things I want to achieve for your country to try and help, and what I want to talk about, politics was nowhere on my list. Now, I'm not saying who is president is not important or who is controlling Congress isn't important. They all have a role. But you are not great because of it. I'm going to make the case right now why I think politics is irrelevant and why the history of America says so. But I'll do that right after this break. Don't go anywhere, America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I am on social media quite a bit. If you go to Twitter, I'm at Freedom Disciple Singler. Or if you go to Facebook, you can like my public page, at Freedom's Disciple. Or I'm also on it, uh, Jonathan Dunn. Look me up and send me a friend request. I love engaging with you publicly and privately. I love promoting discussion. Even if we disagree, that's okay. I'll never. I don't get petty or I don't do insults. We'll leave as friends. I'll still love you as my brother or sister in Christ, but I think we need more dialogue. Before we went into the break, I asked you a question. Why is America great? I asked you to think about it. The one troubling thing that I see growing in America right now is that on both sides, you have people 
who are Hillary supporters right now and you have Trump supporters who pretty much place their whole hope in them. They think ever who their candidate for president is, is a representation of America. And they have all their hopes and dreams. I find this so troubling for so many reasons. Because it isn't the history of America. The history of America is based on the individual. When someone is either happy this week because Trump won or sad because Hillary lost, or if that happened the other way around, it would be the exact same reversed. Where their whole hope is based on one candidate. And whether they, that candidate wins or loses. America, in so many ways, is exceptional. Because you've done things better than everyone else. But you've also done things differently. Ireland, Europe, every other nation has been based on who their leaders are. They have been the people who their hopes and dreams have been in. Whether it's a president, whether it's a leader in Congress, a prime minister, an oligarchy, a king, a queen, a dictator. America has always been about the individual. I firmly believe each and every one of you listening to this and everyone you know and everyone who you know they know can do anything they want. Hopes and dreams don't come from who's in power. Hopes and dreams come from each and every one of you making a difference. And I think that is something we need to change. And I'm going to do my best to promote. That each and every one of you can make a difference. And with that I ask you a question. Because this election was called on 11-9-2016. If you have listened to this show in the past you might have heard me say 9-12 was one of the greatest days of your of your history and a few people have said to me privately going, why would you say something like that 9-12 was the day after the worst terrorist attack on American soil my answer is always the same it's because you became Americans you were good you put all the, the, the human stuff, the elements of party affiliation, how you voted, everything aside to help and be good people. You have two choices right now and I'm going to lay them out for you. Which path will you choose? Will you follow a system and a style I am oh so familiar with? Whether it's following Ireland, following Europe or following the rest of the world. Where everything you do is defined by how you vote and how you act and what your party affiliation is. And to those who don't share those votes and those party affiliations, you see everyone else as an enemy. In Ireland, there's this thing called civil war politics. And it's between the two major factions in Ireland, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And that all basically boils down to whether Ireland should have had, should have accepted the 26 counties from England, or if they should have held out and got the 32. That's over 100 years old of an issue, and it still defines Irish politics. Because 
if you belong in, if you're a Fien, if you're in Fina Gael, you see everyone in Fina Fall as an enemy. And if you're in Fina Fall, even to this day, you see everybody in Fina Gael as an enemy. You dehumanize the individual. You see, you when you uh, follow this path, you don't care about people's life experiences, where they were born, where they were brought up, what their family situation is, what their education is. You forget all the emotions, good or bad, you forget all their actions. You just judge them and condemn them on one action. You will tell them to get in line. You're hurting the party if you see things different. This action can be a vote. Well, if you don't support so-and-so for president or in this election, you're our enemy. And the big thing about the political enemy part is we could be political allies for 10, 20 years in the past and have agreed on every issue. But if you take a different stand on this issue right here, right now, you will still be my enemy. You forget the, the history, the track record you have together. You're my enemy. And I must crush you. I must defeat you. I want to destroy you. And the other thing is about this path that you can travel. It's very important to remember. It's all based on man's law. You see, while I would disagree personally with the whole political enemy's point of view and, and you know, if you see things different... If it was somewhat consistent, if you followed a set of principles, that would be okay. It wouldn't, sorry, it wouldn't be okay, but it would be okay to a lesser extent. It wouldn't be so much of a big problem. But the thing about man's law is it changes over the time. So today, you could be my political enemy if you don't agree abortion is murder. But that doesn't mean because this is the way we see things in 2016, that that's going to be the way forever. No, no, we live in man's law over here. In 2020, the issue could be, well, you know what, if you don't agree that abortion's okay up until 20 weeks, you're my enemy. Or it could be on taxes. Today it could be, you know what we need? We need less taxes. We need a, a flat tax. Then if you don't agree with me, you're my enemy. But in four years' time, if the economy is not doing so good, you know, well, you know what we need? We need a more progressive tax. We know we need we need to tax the wealthy that bit more. You know, they need to pay their fair share. And you'll be my enemy if you don't agree with it. That is the first path you can choose. That is Europe, the rest of the world, Ireland. Or you can choose the path that America has traditionally chosen. You can be good. You can be, as the Toadful spoke about so eloquently, America is great because Americans are good. You can celebrate the individual. Heck, you can even celebrate their differences. You know, I have, I'm blessed to have some friends who are not conservative or, or even libertarian. They're very moderate people they're moderate GOP some lean democrat I am blessed by their friendship we don't agree with anything but I can celebrate their differences now I'm sure there's some of you who might listen to that and go 
or know someone who would listen to what I just said and go, did he just say he celebrates having an, and he was blessed to have Democratic friends and moderate Republican friends? He speaks out against their policies all the time. Absolutely. I disagree with those individuals on everything when it comes to principled policies, the way we live our lives. But I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to demean people. I celebrate our differences. And here's the truth that some people won't like. I am better for knowing them. Because when we debate, I get better at debating and, and thinking about issues and look at, when I look at it from their point of view. No, one gets, no one's going to become a, a great constitutional conservative by arguing constantly with great constitutional conservatives. It just doesn't happen. You have to engage with people. But the one thing I have in common with those folks is we can be civil to each other. We, in all the years I'm talking to them, agree on very little. Absolutely very little. If anything. I'm trying to think on the top of my head if we agreed on anything. And I can't for the life of me remember. There probably is something. The, 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 the grass is green. We probably agreed on that at some stage. Or the sky is blue today. We probably agreed on that. But there's that civility that says, we're still friends, we're still brother and sisters in Christ, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree, and we can be civil. At the end of the day, it comes down to, do you want to follow the path of Europe and the rest of the world? Or do you want to continue to be exceptional like America has always been? One of the reasons I love America, as I started out the show, 912. You didn't ask people when you saw, when people saw people in New York, in Pennsylvania, in D.C. You didn't sort of go, oh my God, are you a Republican? Oh, you're a Republican, okay. Are you okay? Because if you'd answered Democrat, I would have sort of kicked you and kicked you to the curb. We celebrate our differences. We help each other out. We love each other. You be good, fundamental people. I got told me, this said, someone said to me the other day, or maybe it was a week ago, when they said, why do you always talk about 9-12? Why are you always saying why that's a great day? And Well, that's only one day, because it was a terrorist attack. Of course we're going to come together. I've seen so many times, because I've seen friends recently come together. When that big storm came on the East Coast, what was it, three, four, five weeks ago? When the hurricane, where people were flooded. I saw the horrific pictures on Facebook. There was houses that were flooded up to the second floor. That all you saw was the roof. And that was it. And water. People came together when that happened. There was people helping others board up their house. Packing up their car because they were going to leave. When they came back. I saw and heard so many stories of people when they came back to devastation, they were all clearing each other's yard to try and get together, trying to put things back together. There were people who had no homes. Those are homes were just literally destroyed and unlivable. And their friends and their family said, come stay with us. Come, we, are, we, we were lucky this time. Our house is still, we can still get into it. We can still live in it. It's not perfect, but we can live in it. Come stay, come stay with us. There wasn't a test there going, well, he's a Democrat. He, he voted he voted for, for Hillary Clinton. Let's, he can't stay with us. There was none of that. 
I heard so many stories of, of people who were just feeding each other, who had no electricity, who would just come up and say, here's a pie, or here's some food, or here's some bread, here's some sandwiches, here's some water. That's the America I know. That's the America I love. That's the America I want to be part of. I don't want you to follow the first option. I'm trying to get away from option one. Where we have this political enemies. I am fully aware that what I am talking about and what I am going to talk about going forward is not going to be popular on any side. I am fully, fully aware of that. But this brings me to my role. Because my role does not change. My role has not changed even after my month off for self-reflection. I've just become more... I realize more what I need to do. I realize what my role is. My role is not to talk to you about politics and say, vote Trump or vote GOP or, or vote for this person in this district. I have no interest in doing that. I have no special talents to do that. If you want that, you can listen to many, many radio shows live who will give you their opinion. My role does not change now that Trump is president. I did the prep for this show a week ago. If Trump had won or if Clinton had won, my message up until now would have been the exact same. Because what I stand for does not change regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who controls Congress, regardless of what power parties have, regardless of how many states are under Republican control or versus Democratic control. It means nothing to me. My role is this, and this is what I am going to do. I am going to promote the best I can and give you the best arguments that I can create of why the idea of America works. I'm going to tell you why America is an exceptional nation. And why you are different from the rest of the world. And why you have had so much success. I'm going to tell you stories based around principles and based around your history of people who are good doing great things. I'm going to tell you how you change the world. In the, after this break, I'm going to share a story with you. And it is based around something that recently happened. But the story is all fictional that I'm going to share. But in it are principles. And I hope that when you listen to this story, you see so much things that you have achieved through your people. I'm going to talk to you about the Trilogy of Freedom. You know, I'm not, this is not meant as an insult or, or in a demeaning way. It frightened me how little substance there was on the Constitution in this election. It really did. Now, you might be sitting there listening to me going, I don't really care that people didn't talk about the Constitution. Okay, I'm going to make my argument. I'm going to make the best case that I possibly can of why it's important, of why those documents in my opinion, are pretty much a gift from God. It is amazing that your founders wrote them. And your founders stood for what you stood for. 
I'm also going to make arguments based around free market economics, about real capitalism. I don't mean let's tax the rich, and I don't mean let's get in bed with the Chamber of Commerce. I mean free market capitalism, where not a politician, not a president, not a Chamber of Commerce has power, but each and every one of you as an individual has the purchasing power to decide what you want to do. This is what I'm going to talk about. And I'm not going to base it around what's popular of the day or respond to the issues of the day. I'm going to try and drive home these principles and make the best argument that you can take little bits or big part of it or a small part of it and you can share it with your friends and family. Or if you are in a position that you really enjoy it, that you share this podcast with your friends and your family. We need... I believe we need to get that message out there. It's scary how many people today have not had real freedom explained to them. And that is why, in part, I see America declining. Because it's human nature to want other people to do the work. It's human nature for to let the politicians worry about the big issues of the day. That's human nature. That is what every other nation, past, present, have done for the rest of the world. America was about you. That is one of the reasons you're exceptional. But I leave you with this segment with one last question. I'm going to make all of these cases and many more to each and every one of you. And I'm seeking out opportunities to talk to everyone. I don't care who you voted for in the primaries or in the general election. You could vote for Donald Trump. You could have voted for Evan McMillan, Daryl Castle. You could have even voted for Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. I don't care. I am going to do my utmost to share these messages and make these arguments to you, whether you agree or not. But I ask you one question. If you decide to join me on this path, on this role, on this mission that starts right here, right now, you have to ask yourself one question. You are going to come against hate. You're going to come across people who will see you as their enemy, who will seek to destroy you. How will you respond to those who disagree with you? How will you respond? I would ask you to think about that question as we go into this break. I'll be right back, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we continue, I just want to say I I don't know about you, um, what this sounds like to you, or if it's hitting any 
synapses in your brains but i'm really glad to be back i hope it comes across or that you can hear it in my voice because i've been chomping at the bit for the last month to get back i'm so passionate about my role and and your country still i know there are some out there who are going to be down and hurt and are feeling dejected and lost right now but i'm i'm really positive about the future i'm hoping that now the election is over and people remove their political glasses and the fog of politics has passed, that we can really talk about issues. We have two years and four years to really advance some of the principles that we believe in and hope that if we advance them to enough people and we share them with enough people, that it will influence future elections, that people in 2020 won't be ignoring the Constitution, won't be ignoring American exceptionalism, That is what I would love to do. I would love to get your people really talking about these issues again. And that is something I'm going to try and do. And I say, if you happen to know anyone who might be receptive to this message, this show is free. It's available anytime you want it. It's on SoundCloud. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Play Music. Please consider sharing it with your friends. So before we went into the break, I asked you a simple question to think about during the the ads. How will you respond to those who disagree with you? If you share this mission or this view of mine, of what we would need to do, how will you respond? That's something for you to think about. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to respond. I don't believe in hate. I don't believe in insults. If you follow me on social media, I very, I'm, not, I'm a sinner and I'm not a perfect person, so sometimes I do respond angrily. But most of the time, I try and avoid it. Hate achieves nothing. Hate will never beget hate. Insults are pointless. What I'm going to try and do is make the argument for each of these principles. And I'm going to act like try and act the way Jesus Christ told us to. Make the argument. Do the best you can. And if you don't get true to that person, or they hate you or insult you, wipe the dust from your feet and move on to the next person. That is how I'm going to respond. I don't want to add to the hate or to the insults that we see on social media that each and every one of you get. I know I get my fair share. I don't want to add to it. I don't want to be responsible for demeaning people. I want to help people reach their highest good, not push them down and make them feel hurt and dejected and lost. I want to give hope because I see a lot of hopeful things for the future. And I'm going to talk to you about that in the weeks and months ahead. Now, with that being said, it's story time. It is story time. This is something that I would really appreciate your honest feedback on. One of the things I want to try and do over the coming weeks and months is I want to try and create short stories to share with you. Because I don't know about you, I got really sick and tired of listening to politics talking and, you know, this is good, this is bad. I want to share stories with you. And this story I want to share with you, it is based around a real-life event. You'll know it when you hear it. You'll probably know it in the first two paragraphs. But every character is fictional. But there's a reason for every word in here. There's principles, principles behind it. And I'm going to try and share this. It's my first time. I'm not a natural writer, so please forgive that. But I would love your opinion on it, because I'm going to try and come up with these more and more, so that you hear them. So here we go. This is a fictional story based around the life of a man. 
And when the story is complete, I have some very serious questions I want to ask you in the next segment. So close your eyes and get ready for this story. The year is 1899. And America is on the road to becoming the nation we all know today. In Chicago, Illinois, a lady gives birth to her first child. And she calls him Abe. After the 16th President of the United States. His father was a local news reporter who covered both the Chicago Cubs and the White Sox. His mother was raised on a farm and loved staying at home. She was one of the best cooks in the neighborhood. And she used to love cooking and baking the most delicious crusty brown soda bread. And she had a heart of gold. And she would share it with some of the others in the community. She would also spend her days minding young Abe and later her two young, his two younger sisters. But as young Abe was growing up, he was a boy like any other boy of the times. He was super adventurous and he always loved playing outside. And I don't know about you, but he always had this knack of getting dirty. And one of his favorite times was climbing trees. To young Abe, there was no tree high enough. He would love to explore. However, young Abe's favorite time was when the whole family would gather together when his father would not be out covering the White Sox or the Cubs. And they would all gather around and they would play the piano and sing songs as a family. Like most young boys, young Abe had a very special bond with his father. And he truly idolized everything he did. And he was fascinated by his work because there was times when his father would be gone for long hours traveling to baseball games. When his father was home, each day would start the same way. Young Abe would run out of his bed, run out of his bedroom and into his parents' bedroom, jump on the bed, and with this hopeful, gleeful smile, would ask, Daddy, can I come to work with you today? And the answer was always the same. When you're a little older, son, I promise I'll bring you. Deep down, Abe had no idea what his father did, nor did he really care. He just loved the sense of adventure. He wanted to see the outside world. But maybe most importantly, he just wanted quality time with his father, with no girls around. Well, on a warm summer day in 1906, and a week before Abe's seventh birthday, he got the wish he always asked for. Today was going to be the day his life would change forever. But not in a way young Abe could understand. Today was the day a young boy became a man as he got to join his dad and go to his dad's work. He travelled by horse and cart and saw streets he had never seen before and went to a place called Westside Park where he watched the Chicago Cubs play the New York Giants. All Abe knew about his father's job was that he wrote words. He had no idea what baseball was. As they approached Westside Park, he clenched his father's hand tightly, but still wanting to be a brave little boy. They both walked into this massive stadium and sat in the stand where some reporters sat. Abe's father sat and looked over some of the notes as Abe quietly sat beside him, his eyes glazing on everything. His eyes went from the stand, to the bases, to the fields, to the grass, to the sand to the concession stand. Young Abe was seeing a world 
that was impossible for a young six-year-old boy to understand. Then the ground started filling, one by one, until ten became twenty and thirty and then into their hundreds. Young Abe was surrounded by more people in this stadium than he had ever met in his whole life. And he held his father's hand even tighter. And then the game started. He was enthralled by every second of the game. There was so much to watch. He was amazed at how quiet the stadium would get as the pitcher on the mound looked into the batter's box, looked for the catcher's sign, and then as he delivered the pitch. And he was even more enthralled by the sound of the baseball flying past the bat and hitting the catcher's mitt. That boom! But even how great that was, it was nothing compared to that distinct cracking sound the wooden bat made as it made contact with the letter of the baseball and flew into the outfield and all the cheers that followed. Yay, good hit, good hit, yay! He was amazed at absolutely everything that was happening. Even though he did not understand anything that was going on, he just loved looking at something, the adventure, but most importantly spending time with his father. But as great as the game was, there was something even better. Because around the 15, Abe as a young boy did as every young boy did. He got hungry. He got his father. He convinced him to bring him up to the concession stand. And he had what they called at the time a wiener on a bun. Young Abe smiled as he heard wiener on a bun. But we all know them as hot dogs today. When the game was over, this was easily the best day of his young life. It helped that the Cubbies won the game because his father was also a fan and a journalist. More importantly, the game of baseball had a new fan. That season was one of the best in the history as the Cubbies won 116 games, which is still a record that stands today. Young Abe was now a baseball fan, and each morning started out the exact same way. He would run, get up, he would run out of his bedroom, into his parents' bedroom, jump up on the bed, and under the covers, and ask his dad about the game the night before. Who won, dad? Who pitched? Who hit? And of course, he always said, when can I go back to watch another game with you? I want to go back to work with you, dad. For his seventh birthday, he was given a baseball. And it would never leave his hands. Abe was a young boy who, when he got outside, he was always pretending to be a pitcher. He would spend all his days pretending to stand on a mound, a mound for the cubbies, with his father cheering him on, going, Yes, Abe, you go get them. And of course, giving that death stare to the batman and looking for the sign for the catcher. And when he got the sign, he would pretend to throw the ball. He would pretend to throw a fastball and strike out the batter. That year was very popular for baseball in Chicago, as the new competition called the World Series was between the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox, and he was yet again desperate to join his father. But it did not happen. Sadly, the Cubs lost that series. But young Abe had time. When the World Series was over, he was a fan. He loved spending time with his father, but he also loved the game of baseball. And he had a plan to come up with how he could see more baseball. It took a while, but he finally came up with a plan. 
he would go to his father's newspaper and ask for his own paper route. Each morning, young Abe would get up. He'd be the first to get up inside the house, and he would go deliver his papers before school. He was always extremely popular in the local neighbourhoods, because he was always easy to identify. As he had his bag around his waist with all his newspapers to deliver, he still had his baseball in his hand. It was now messed up and heavily scuffed from all the throws against the concrete and the floor. He became friendly with an older, an older later, lady in the neighbourhood. She had no children or family of her own, but she had a love of baseball. And she loved wieners on a bun. So she decided to help young Abe as she got to know him. Each day as he would deliver the daily paper to her, she would give him the sports part of the paper from the day before to bring home. He would spend hours carefully reading each and every report about the night's baseball games. He would read about teams that had very funny names to young Abe. There was the Brooklyn Superbaz, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and of course the Boston Doves. But he enjoyed reading, because it was also time to spend time with his mother. But he loved reading most about the Cubbies, and about how many hits manager and first baseman Frank Chance had. Or how many innings pitches and how many strikeouts pitchers like Orwell Orverall or Mordecai Brown threw the night before. He always worked hard, he was reliable, he was never late, never missed a day, despite living in Chicago with some very cold weather. His payment always went to his father, but he saved enough money and he brought his mother and his two younger sisters to a baseball game the next summer. He wanted to share his love with his family. Young Abe was very fortunate as a young boy to attend that baseball game, but he was also more important to watch a very good Cubbies team. They went to the World Series again in both 1907 and 1908 and they won both. And he loved reading stories about their victories, but he never got to see them. There were papers worth saving during the cold winter. As baseball had ended, he would reminisce and remember of the stories of the last season. This was his life all the way through school. We're going to take a quick break there. I'm going to continue this story when you get back. Don't go anywhere, America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. What's our standing policy on staff members being voted into the douche hall fame of the show? There's a relevancy clause, but it could be uh, lifted. Well, I nominate uh, Andrew. We have a uh, spoons episode today. And we realized we've never eaten Toblerone to own before, so right. we were, like, concerned. Andrew says it looks gross. Ask Jeffy about it. I left it on his desk. You left candy on Jeffy's desk? Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. That was Abe's life all the way through school, doing his paper out, learning and reading reports from the baseball game and occasionally each year getting to go to a game with his mother and his two sisters. However, Abe's life would take another pivotal change on August 5th, 1921. 
He was a young 21-year-old who had finished school and was now working full-time in the newspaper his dad worked for. On that day, history was going to be made as he spent the night with his father listening to the first-ever baseball game broadcast on radio. It was between the Pirates and the Phillies. This was going to change his world. He would now be able to listen to his team play live rather than have to wait till the day next day for the newspaper report to come in. However, radios were not cheap at the time, so of course he had to come up with another plan. Young Abe asked for additional shifts and overtime in the factory to save up for that radio. It was now 1925, and it was nearly 20 years since the Cubbies had last won the World Series. He loved the game and the team so much, as his father was desperate to create a memory of winning the World Series and for them to spend time with each other listening to them win the World Series. Yes, he had memories as a young boy when they won it in 1907 and 1908, but all those memories were based around the newspaper and his imagination. Radio changed that. He had those reports to this day, but he still wanted more. He wanted that bonding time with his father. He needed to experience it live for himself. As each year approached spring, hope sprang eternal. It was the start of baseball season. And each season started out the same way for each and every sports fan of each and every team. Because each team always believes they can win it all in spring training. Each season always has the hope that this year, this year is going to be our year. Each year he was convinced himself, his father and anyone who'd listen that this year was going to be the Cubbies year. And he was going to witness it with his father. However, that year never came. While the Cubbies did make the World Series in 1929, 1932, 1935 and 1938, they lost each one. And he deeply mourned the loss with his father. Little, however, did he know his life was about to change once again. Because it was on August 26, 1939, that the Brooklyn Dodgers played the Cincinnati Reds in the first ever televised game. He, like so many others, looked on in awe. Before, he had to read newspapers, then he had to listen to the radio. Now, he was watching a little screen, a little five-inch screen, where the players were actually playing live. He didn't have to use his imagination anymore, he just had to sit back and watch. By 1947, Abe's life had changed an awful lot. Firstly, his father had sadly passed away, and he mourned that loss incredibly bad. Because he loved his father. They had that bond. They had that closeness that baseball brought them together. He longed for that moment of the Cubbies winning the World Series, but it never came. They also had lived through World War II. That was a very tough time. The mood of the country was down. They had just survived and won a bloody and tough war where their sons, their daughters were halfway across the world. But by now, TV was commonplace. And TV and baseball helped ease the pain and suffering of the American people. It was a way of bringing entertainment and helping the American family return to life as normal. All Abe wanted to do 
was watch the Cubbies play. As he watched the first game in 1947 on his brand new 5-inch screen TV, he cried and he sobbed as he remembered his father. He wondered what his father would do if he were still alive. After all, he thought, who would want to read a report of a game the night before on a newspaper when everyone could watch TV for themselves? Heck, he even wondered, why would people buy newspapers at all if you could just watch the news on the TV? Surely it would put them out of business. However, the biggest feeling he had as he watched that first game of the season was as amazing. That young box and his own two kids were now sitting on the floor playing with each other and half watching the Cubbies. He was in a position to be his father and to share his love like of the Cubbies like his father shared with him. However, the game became so much more easier to follow. All the opportunities they would have would be incredible. He remembered his life growing up where he would have to read old newspaper reports or listen on the radio. Now his young kids, his two young boys, sat on a floor, didn't have to use imagination, and just watched a great game. He saw all these advancements in a period of 40 years, and he sat back and wondered, I wonder what the next 40 will bring. The image of young Abe sitting on the sofa with his cubbies jersey, what his kids was a common theme that year. His kids had so much more knowledge about the game than he had when he was growing up, because they now had stats. They also had player cards. Who hit how many home runs last year? How many strikeouts did you have? How many innings did you pitch? It was accurate to say, like so many other fathers do, he was living through his he was living life through his kids' eyes. He was now desperate to create that memory with his own kids, where the Cubbies would win the World Series. Each and every year started the same way. Spring would roll around, and hope would be eternal. And they'd all get excited as he'd tell his young kids, this year, this year, kids, is the year the Cubbies win it all. But as summer turned to fall, the story would always remain the same. The Cubbies would fall short. The years now turned into decades, and Abe now had grandkids to convert. It was now 1984. Abe was 85 years old, and he was dying. He had been a fan of the Cubbies for nearly 80 years. He shared memories with his father, then with his kids, and now with his grandkids. But he was still a young boy deep inside. That adventurous young Abe was still present. And he was desperate to create that memory of seeing the Cubbies win the World Series. During that year, he knew he was sick. Something just wasn't right. And he spent so much time reminiscing and talking about history with his grandkids. And explaining to them how much he had seen in his 85 years. He would share stories with his grandkids of how he had to cut out paper from the sports section. And keep it all winter and to use them as stories to reminisce when there was no baseball. They had everything now as grandkids. From games on a regular basis to watching on TV to jerseys to baseball games on computer. He had also witnessed so much firsthand of so many trials for his America. The country he loved. He lived through two world wars. He saw and witnessed Pearl Harbor. He saw Vietnam 
and how America achieved the feat from the jaws of victory. He survived the Great Depression and he was also left speechless by the hippie and the free love movement of the 60s. He saw a man walk on the moon on his TV and to his dying day he can remember exactly where he was when Kennedy was shot. He saw and marvelled at the individual genius of his fellow man as we all made so many advancements in technology. Everything from the Model T and the production line to aeroplanes with the Wright brothers, to traffic lights, the jukebox, ATMs, deodorants, the microwave, teleprompters, video games and personal computers. But he also marveled at the advancements he made in the food department. You see, when he was a young boy, we had wieners in a bun. But now, food had advanced as well. We now had cheeseburgers, chocolate chip cookies, corn dogs, and his personal favourite, soft serve ice cream. As he would remember and share all these stories of everything he had witnessed, he often made a joke. I've seen all these wonderful advancements in my lifetime, but yet I'll never get to see the Cubbies win a World Series. But 1984 was different. That year they actually made the playoffs, and there was hope. And he had that vision of having those memories with his kids and grandkids. But they lost three games to two against the Padres. After Abe's death, his kids continued the legacy of being Cubs fans and had the same luck as Abe had. Each spring would turn around into spring training, would be filled with optimism and hope and dreaming of that Cubs World Series win. But each time it ended the same way. Heartbreak, loss and despair. This, of course, was until 2016, as that was the year the Cubs finally overcame the curse and fulfilled a lifelong family dream. They defeated the Indians four games to three, and the 108-year curse and wait was over. However, as the Cubs won the World Series that night, Abe's kids, now old men themselves, sat back and reminisced of how different the game was. Abe's family was a perfect example. All he had was newspapers and the radio and the TV. His family watching the World Series in 2016 was so much different. Because you see, Abe's young son had a promise between the two of them. That Abe and his son would listen to the Cubbies whenever they won the World Series. And Abe's son travelled to his grave that night of Game 7. And he listened on a transistor radio. One of his younger kids, his great-grandkids, he stayed up late to watch the game on TV. Others watched on their iPads, this new little small screen on a computer device. And others, because they were working at college, they kept up to date with the game and the scores on the internet and this thing called social media. However, that whole family came together, regardless of their location, regardless of how they watched the game or to celebrate. They celebrated with five million people for a parade to say the Cubbies won the World Series. That is a story I created for you. There is a meaning behind every word. And I want to finish up today's show asking you some questions. As you are at the weekend and you're chilling out and relaxing and maybe really hopeful or really negative about America about some questions as I share that story with you. 
What do you think would have happened had the 2016 Cubs team felt like the battle was over and that they could never overcome it? Do you think they would have won if they would given up at the start? How do you think their fans would have reacted? Because if they knew their players weren't trying, do you think they'd go to the games? Do you think they'd be emotionally invested? If everyone's saying, it's over, we can't do it, it's too much to overcome, it's over, it's pointless. Do you think it would be acceptable for a team to act that way? And now the most important question of all. I'm sure some of you, if not all of you, said that would not be acceptable. Why is it okay for all of us to give up on America at its time of need? But it's not okay for a baseball player to give up on a baseball team. After all, it's only a baseball game. If we give up on a baseball game or a baseball team, does anyone get hurt? Anyone live or die? Does tyranny advance and liberty dies? This is the choice we face right now. I'm not giving up. I'm more passionate about the future than I've been in a long time. I cannot wait to share that passion with you in the weeks and months ahead. Lastly, I'll ask you just to think of one thing. When I read that story to you, it was all fictional. The characters, there is no Abe, there was no 1899. But everything else was true. The advancements, the dates, the times, the games. Look at how much you've advanced since 1899. That's only 117 years ago. Look at all the advancements. Look at all the opportunities that became. And now just think, how much advancements are we going to make in the next 10 years? In the next 20 years? In the next 50 years? Even in the next 100? How much different will our world be? And what opportunities will they present? And when you think about all the future that comes and all the opportunities it presents, are you really telling me, despite all that, you can't see any positives? Do you really think that in all those advancements, there is no hope? That there isn't a chance that we turn this tide and bring back freedom and bring back liberty and the individual? Thomas Paine once said, we have it in our power to begin the world again. Well, one of the reasons I'm so excited for the future is that technology. Because that will help that come true. Now is the time to get involved. Now is not the time to, to sit down and give up and to lay down your sword and your seal and say it's over. Now is the time to start speaking out. Now is the time to do anything you can to get involved. Whether you're a writer, whether you're a podcaster, whether you're on radio, whether you do video blogs, whether you work behind the scenes as a producer on social media, whether it's whatever it is, whether you just do Facebook Live videos yourself, now is the time to start speaking out. And now is the time that we link arms together and truly make America exceptional again. But we also must remember one thing. It took 117 years for all those changes to happen. It might take 108 years or 117 years for our change to happen. But hey, just like that baseball story, we might not be the ones to see us win that battle and this mission. 
But if we do our job and we share our loves and our passions with our kids, we might be the, they might be the ones to see it. Abe wanted to see the Cubbies win the World Series. He didn't. We might not. But if we share that love with our kids, that we can live through their eyes in eternity. That is a story. It's my first one. I would love your feedback on it. I'm going to try and do these a lot more going forward. It is something I am passionate about to try and share principles and values, but in a story format. That is the end of today's show, America. I hope it has given you some hope, and I hope you enjoyed everything I said, even if you disagreed with it, but I hope you enjoyed that story. I finish this show the way I finish every show, by saluting the real heroes in society, the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. America is great because Americans are good. If you want to join me on this mission and you believe that America is great because Americans are good, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and your family. Please get them in touch. It's free and it's available anytime on SoundCloud or iTunes. Until next week, America, God bless you and God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.